Welcome to Woodworker and Wife. We're Dan and Bethany Myers. We've been married for over five years and have three little girls. Are we marriage experts? Parenting experts? Life experts? Perfect in every way? <laughs> Not even close, but we do happen to have a microphone and, more importantly, we want to share what God has done and is currently doing in our lives in order to encourage you. week we'll cover a topic related to faith, family, marriage, or business with the hope that our conversations will encourage you in your day-to-day life. This week we are on episode four and we're excited because we're going to share Dan's diagnosis with ulcerative colitis and our journey to eating paleo and why we've chosen to eliminate grains, dairy, and processed slash added sugars in our diet. Let's get started. I'm Dan, and this is my wonderful wife, Bethany, and we are woodworker and wife. I'm the woodworker, she's the wife. I'm the wife. We're a few episodes (laughs) in, and we've received some positive feedback that we'd like to share. Matt said, quote, just listen to episode two on Spotify. Really enjoyed hearing your stories. I've got some thinking to do about my own future, and it was great to hear your journey and encouragement. And Dan's mom said the episodes were really good. That's mm-hmm. high praise right there. It is, yep. We would appreciate your feedback and giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Yep. So diving in, uh, in 2011, in the midst of writing my master's thesis in organic chemistry and then transitioning to classes in the School of Education at Indiana University, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, specifically ulcerative proctitis. Proctitis meaning? So, meaning but. Thank you. Okay. Hey, just wanted to clarify. Proctal region. It's not a word people use every day. No. (laughs) So this was after approximately six months with symptoms that progressively got worse. Um, And I'd been working out and could have been from taking Advil. It could have been from whey protein shakes, but I was working out, doing a lot of strength training and had bulked up a little bit and was in the 190s in terms of weight. Um, But I was getting progressively sick, getting progressively worse. Uh, So ulcerative proctitis is defined as a chronic inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD, involving the rectum. Treatment can help, but the disease is incurable. Patients with colitis have an increased risk of developing colon cancer. Uh, But I should say that if you're diagnosed with proctitis, Supposedly, it's the best kind to get because the risk of colon cancer is the least Hmm. with that type. It's just where it's located in the rectum can be a lot more difficult to treat Mm -hmm. just because of its location. Uh, So patients with colitis, uh, they have symptoms including rectal bleeding, bloody diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and pain. Other symptoms that I've experienced include arthralgia, which is joint pain. Fatigue, pain and discomfort on my left side, oral ulcers in my mouth, throat, and tongue, much like feeling like you're swallowing glass or chewing Mm -hmm. glass, quite Mm -hmm. painful, discharge of mucus or pus in my stool, and significant weight loss on the order of 35 pounds, and that happened at least twice that I can recall. After gaining it back. After gaining it back. So the first time, and then um, in the last two years, I had another significant weight loss. Yeah, you did. 
So in June 2011, I was diagnosed, and I had my first colonoscopy two days after my 25th birthday. Happy birthday. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, and I remember I had had a really good like pizza meal for my birthday mm-hmm. and got so sick from it that I think that actually cleaned out my system before I had to do the prep. <clears throat> so I know that's gross and sounds gross, but that's I think the miserable. prep was actually a lot better than what it could have been. Yeah. Better yeah. than a nut- different prep I had oh, later. Yeah, that was miserable. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so a few weeks after being diagnosed... My doctor instructed me to eliminate caffeine and dairy from my diet. Looking back, I think I've been somewhat lactose intolerant since I was a kid. Unfortunately, though, eliminating these things and beginning mesalamine medications did not improve my health. Mesalamines actually made my condition worse over a seven-month period. Ironically, 2% of clinical trials showed that mesalamines caused ulcerative colitis which is the very disease that it was meant to treat. Yeah, yeah. So I think mine just got worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And stress may have been a factor because I was wrapping up my master's in organic chemistry at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wrapped it up in November 2011, and I was also driving 42 miles each way to my student teaching assignment near Indianapolis for the better part of the fall and spring semesters. So I was really sick, and I was driving about 85 miles a day even through There's the winter a lot of time. Um, and just working hard on things and mm-hmm. um, just really stressful, really, uh, I guess, harmful or hard on the body. Yeah, yeah. Yep. By January 2012, I had upgraded or downgraded, glass half full, half empty. I don't know how you would consider it, but I went from being in a mild to moderate case to being in a severe flare-up. I had been through oral mesalamines, uh, mesalamine being the class of drug. I've been through suppositories, foam steroid enemas, and actual enemas. I was already on my second course of a long-term high-dose prednisone prescription, and that meant being ragey, speaking without thinking, jitters, and headaches and migraines during tapering due to withdrawal. Those close to me from the lab and church were aware and forgiving, and I'm quite grateful for their grace mm-hmm. during that time I wasn't myself. Do I have to say when you went on uh, your pregnizone again later you were kind of more aware of what could happen and were much more cognizant of your behavior. Yeah, the second time that I went on it which was that January time. Yeah. I was still pretty ragey and it was pretty rough. Um I think the third time long-term I went on it, I right was tapering we right before we met. Yeah. Yep. And then you went on it again. At least once or two more times. Yeah, while married. Yeah. But you, I would say, you you dealt with your emotions that it could make you increase them more. You dealt with those yep. much better. And, and even while I was teaching, I would tell people, students, and even, even my principal at the time, hey, I'm going on this. This is how I respond to it. Yeah. So I'm just making you aware that if a kid says I yelled at them, this is why. It's not intentional. Yeah. This is just how I know my body responds to it, and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So. Not that that became a situation. No. Anyway. Anyway. So in in that (laughs) month, January 2012, uh, I had my first flexible sigmoidoscopy which determined that I was in a severe flare-up. By this point, I'd already switched specialists to one who took into account 
my being an educated scientist. He was kind, gracious, and supportive, and I later found out was a believer as well, uh, which was nice to know. Um, and so after my upgrade, downgrade, whatever, to a severe flare-up, I remember praying intently for several days and nights, crying to God at home that he would heal my body. Now, this was after previously praying and acknowledging my condition and realizing that it was God's will to quote-unquote suffer during that time. And that might be hard to hear that God would make us suffer, but I think it was in a, a season where I said, okay, God, I'm in a lot of pain. This stinks, but it's not getting better. Mm -hmm. So I acknowledge it. This is where you have me. Yeah. What can I do to still glorify you? Well, and he didn't come down here and inflict you with ulcerative colitis. He allowed you to experience something that's part of our world. Mm -hmm. So that he didn't make you suffer, but he just didn't change it immediately. Right. So there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. anyway. anyway, so I, I got to this point where I was like, all right, I'm in the midst of this. It sucks. But I guess there's nothing I can really do about it right now. And so then I got to this point where I was like, you know what? For a few months, I've just acknowledged it. It's not changing. But now it sucks. I hate this. I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. It just, when will it end? Mm -hmm. Because I was just exhausted and in pain and just so uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I looked somewhat sick, but at the same time, Colitis is kind of one of those invisible diseases like mm -hmm. with Crohn's where someone will come up to you and say, oh, you look fine. It's like, I want to smack you because I don't feel fine. I feel terrible. I feel miserable. Mm -hmm. But I still have to go to work and show up. I don't have a choice. So I'm going to do the best that I can. Yeah. You know? um, so, but... Yeah, so I was uh, suffering, so to speak, but then I prayed for several nights, mm -hmm. and it's just culminated to a head where I'm like, God, this is miserable, I'm miserable, do something, heal my body, and I think it was a Saturday night, I remember where I was uh, at home at the time, and I just heard this prompting or this kind of audible voice, and it was gluten-free. Something I hadn't even considered once or read into. Yeah, nobody suggested it to Nobody you suggested it. So it was totally a God thing. It was the Holy Spirit, I believe. So I immediately researched it that night and the next day. A few days later, I tried eating gluten-free, and the result was astounding. My severe intestinal symptoms disappeared literally overnight. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a Tuesday night into a Wednesday. My symptom, my intestinal symptoms went away mm -hmm. entirely. And then my oral symptoms, the oral ulcers that I suffer from from time to time, those healed by the weekend because the mouth takes a little bit longer to heal. Yeah. Um, now, a few months later in April of 2012, I had a follow-up sigmoidoscopy. And that showed complete remission of symptoms and no sign of colitis. And at that point... My specialist was impressed, he was surprised, thought it was a case study that he could present on, <laughs> and he believed that I had celiac-induced colitis. Now, in all fairness, I did not get any testing done for uh, celiac disease because it was a pretty pricey test to do, and I was a grad student. Yeah, your insurance and wasn't. And he was like, you know, I'm pretty confident that because of the going gluten-free... <coughs> That by going gluten-free, 
and seeing your symptoms disappear on the scope, mm-hmm. we can, can we can definitively say, yeah, your symptoms are gone. It was probably this that did it. Yeah. Um, and so from that point on, I continued eating a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. But as Bethany and I have learned over the years, you can eat a gluten-free and dairy-free diet and still eat crap. It's ridiculously true. Yeah. And you feel like crap. You do, but you don't know it. You don't know it because you're blind to it. Well, because that's how you've always felt. Mm-hmm. You don't realize there's a difference. Yeah. Which kind of really leads into my story. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, my mom decided to start getting some testing done for different um, food allergies and different things. And she was like, oh, I'm a gene carrier for dairy intolerance and gluten intolerance. And I was like, oh, huh. You know, that might be an issue in my life. And since she's a carrier, it's a possibility that that's something that could be an issue for me. So I went, oh, okay, well, maybe I should just try taking one of those things out of my diet, right? And my junior year of college, I decided to remove dairy from my diet. And that by itself is quite the task, to go from a normal diet to going to dairy-free, because there is dairy in everything. Like, just, there's dairy in places that you're like, why is there dairy in this? It makes no sense. Like meat. Why is there dairy in meat? And uh, it just is the oddest thing. Um, The places that they sneak dairy into. Anyway. uh, McDonald's French fries. Yeah, McDonald's French fries. And hydrolyzed (laughs) milk protein. Yes. In well, Qdoba chicken. Yeah, Qdoba chicken. Qdoba chicken. It's just like... Or at least Qdoba used to. We don't know if they do now because we true. haven't eaten there in like... Five, years, ten years. I don't years, know. Yeah. However many years. Uh, but it just... They sneak it in everything. So that year uh, in the fall, when I went back to college, I removed uh, dairy from my diet and um, lost 15 pounds. Like, in a blink. Like, I had been doing some, like, playing tennis pretty consistently with some friends, but not consistently enough for to lose 15 pounds. Uh, and the infla- inflammation in my face went down significantly. So my face used to be, like, twice the size that it is. And Dan has seen the pictures mm-hmm. from that time period, and my face is just so much more round. Um, who knew my face was long and not round? <laughs> anyway, um, and so... It, it, yeah, it the difference was amazing. And I just kind of took a whole year to really get used to living that way. Um, I am a person who doesn't make changes in January. I make them in the fall because that's when the new school year starts mm-hmm. and things change and there's a new schedule and there's all that stuff. So I found it's easier to make a change when there's a bunch of big changes going on, which seems counterintuitive, but it's not like it works well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I make a New Year's, quote-unquote, New Year's resolution... Or, it's in September. It's in September, not January. So anyway, uh, that was my junior year. My first senior year, because I took five years to go to college instead of four. Well, you did education, so... Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. You're never out of... Anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, so my first senior year, the fourth year of college, I... Um, decided to give up gluten because my mom had done some more testing 
and gluten was also a possibility that it could be a problem for me. And um, this was more of a life changer for me uh, personally. Like the dairy like made me feel better, but the gluten changed my personality. Um, I eat gluten, eat grains in general at this point, and it makes me tired. Um, so tired I shouldn't drive a car. Um, so tired I'm basically non-functional. So tired I wasn't having conversations with people and I didn't realize it. Like, people would be talking around me, I would have a thought and think, oh, I should share this, but by the time I thought the thought, they had already moved on to something else. And so I wasn't actually inputting into conversations, I just was having a lot of thoughts on my own because I was just that tired. Um, someone once described me as a very positive Eeyore before I went gluten-free, and I went, that is actually a very good description of my life um, before gluten-free because I was just tired all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I, like oh, sleeping... Oh, you know, I love Jesus. Yeah, I mean, really, I was... <laughs> perfect description of that. I would sleep 14 hours and still be exhausted. Um, and, and that's that, a problem. Yes, it is. A, that's a big problem. So I remember I did gluten-free for a month. And then I was like, okay, let's try some gluten and see what this does to me. And um, if you've ever given up anything for a month and then tried it, your body, like, has a hyper reaction to it. Whereas like the other day I accidentally ate some gluten and it didn't cause such a terrible reaction because I haven't had it in, I don't know, however many years. Yeah. So many. Um, Year but and a half. No, longer. No, longer Sorry. than that. Long time. Several um, years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even tell you the last time. So um, this time though, uh, after that first initial month, I ate some chips that had weed in them. I was so tired, I could not drive home. Like, I would have fallen asleep in the wheel and killed myself. Like, that's what would have happened. Um, just, I, I couldn't sleep it off. Like, it took days. I ate them on Friday, and it took until Sunday for that to just fully work its way out of my system. Um, hmm. And you can't, I mean... It, Imagine living life at that level of exhaustion constantly. Without kids. With Yeah, with no children. This was me by myself as a single person in college. I mean, like, I, I don't know how I made it through high school and college and even managed to get decent grades. Like, I think about it. I'm like, man, if I hadn't been eating gluten in high school, how much better could I have learned? It's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Um... So then, so that year delved into the gluten-free, and I went, I'm never going back. Never, never, never. Um, and since, you know, I, mean, I met Dan, super excited because he listed on his eHarmony mm -hmm. <laughs> that he was gluten and dairy-free. I did not list that on mine because I was like, I don't want to seem needy or weird, and so I'll just, you know, we'll talk about it. If I meet somebody. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was like, it's a big deal. It's my lifestyle. Yes. They've got to yeah. be able to follow along with that and be supportive. Yes. Yeah. But I think women are a lot more okay with that. Like, oh, okay. Well, I think I can, you know, whatever. Whereas I think 
men can be off put by that like oh she's high maintenance or she's crazy because she has to eat gluten-free dairy you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i didn't want to be prejudged whatever it worked out perfectly because here we are yeah making a podcast (laughs) and we're married yep and have babies three babies yeah who are sleeping hopefully yep anyway um so from there where are we headed next um so you know when we met we were both gluten-free, dairy-free. Yes. In starting to go on a journey together of figuring out what gluten-free and dairy-free mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. were good for us and weren't. We weren't yeah. doing a very good job of it. No. I mean, we were just being careful that we looked at the labels and it was gluten-free and dairy-free. Yes. We weren't paying attention to anything else really in the ingredients. No. It, but in the beginning, we did start looking at taking sugar out of your diet because we knew that the sugar was bothering your mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we started kind of removing that. And And it still does now. Like if I have something with too much sugar, I feel it in like my, my groin and leg muscle or Mm -hmm. in my joints, my fingers, my mouth. The more, the less often I eat sugar, the more I feel the effects of it. Of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm on my new trying to only eat it on family movie night. Hasn't been working very well yet. Hey, I went Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday last week. Three days but without But on Sunday sweets. you said you won it, and then Monday you did, and you're like, well, I'm doing this anyway. <laughs> so we believe in transparency and calling each other out. <laughs> hey, I said I need your support. Yep. And your grace. But... This week is a new week. Yeah. Three days is better than zero. It's true. So making positive progress here because mm-hmm. I know my body doesn't like it yeah. for different reasons. Yeah. So. So let's see. We so we dated in 2013. Yes. Married in 2014. Yes. Um, homeowners and parents by 2015. Yes. And. Um, kind of during that process, I wouldn't say I was. I mean, I was always kind of a flare up. To the point where I just kind of lived with it. I was still symptomatic, but managing it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't enough to. Like I was still crampy, during some days yeah. and pain, but yeah. I had just gotten to this point where I kind of had a higher pain tolerance and could just bear through it. Well, that was your everyday life. It was. There... Yeah. Like I said, you don't know you feel that bad until you're like, oh yeah. wow. I looked this. good. Felt like crap. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Anyway, uh, so kind of jumping in 2016 into 2017, I was in another significant flare-up. While I was pregnant with Eleanor. While you were pregnant with Eleanor, yeah. I continue to work because. Yes, you did. I mean, you have to, and kids mm-hmm. need to learn. Still need a quality education. Well, and we still needed to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I'd gone on. Prednisone in the fall of 2016, and then I got connected with a new specialist out of Grand Rapids in yeah. February of 2017. Yeah, because my specialist was in Indiana. Yeah, well, and we tried getting a local one, but that was like not possible. Yeah, and doctors then, were actually leaving that practice to go elsewhere, and not anywhere around here. No. Like, farther away, yeah. and so they were just so behind. It was like we were going to have to wait another 
Two months, I think. Two months? I don't know. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so we went to Grand Rapids, bigger city, nearby, and they got you in really quick. Yep. And in for a colonoscopy right away. I just was... Very nice man. Um, Yep. His wife was a teacher, and so I I felt like he... Kind of understood where our concerns... But not completely. His only his only um, thing was was take Humira. That'll make you better. Just mm-hmm. take Humira. It'll. Yep. And it was just like, but it's not working. And look at all the possible side effects and the things that happened. And he was just like, no, take Humira. It'll make it better. And I was like, you're not listening. You're not listening. Dude, we would like something else, please. Yep. Anyway, so I began like she said. I went on Humira. Um, to be frank, this was one of the most miserable experiences I've had. I mean, mm-hmm. going on the salamine medications was rough because it just made it worse. So it was yeah. in the gut yeah. where it felt worse. And going on Humira, I could kind of sense this slight improvement a couple weeks in. And yeah. then it went away. And I spent time during the summer with a cold a few times and into the fall. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up with an infection in my leg. Um, in August, like a week before school started. Yeah. And it was amplified because I was on Humira. And when we were in the ER, um, I'd gone to urgent care and they said, no, we're not charging you. Go to the ER now. Yeah. We went to the ER. And as soon as I said, I have colitis and I'm on Humira, they just completely changed their course of, you know, looking at the condition and saying, yeah, this is a condition. It's pretty straightforward to treat. But but you're on an immunosuppressant biologic drug, and we need to be extra careful about this. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, yeah, in, internal medicine doctors, orthopedic specialists, because it was in my leg and knee. Yeah. And yeah. then um, infectious diseases got involved. There was so... It was crazy. Yeah. And it, it was, was just crazy. a bursitis infection in my knee. Yeah. That Which... spread all the way down my leg. Yeah, it did. It kept growing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Four-day hospital stay. Yep. Yep. Yep, four-day hospital stay. I went and stayed at my parents' house mm-hmm. because, we, I mean, Eleanor was months old. April, mm-hmm. May, June, July, August, like three, four months old. And Jane was two, mm-hmm. newly two. And I was like, mentally, it was like, I cannot handle this. <laughs> need assistance mm-hmm. so i came to my parents house and stayed here anyway yeah humera not um fun. not fun and i ended up going on one of the most powerful iv antibiotics that they had yeah. yeah um because they felt that that was the only thing that could treat it and as someone who takes a probiotic every day and has ibd yeah right something that affects my intestinal tract going on a harsh antibiotic even with a probiotic, it took months for my gut microbiome to readjust oh. and improve. Oh, yeah. And that was after going off Humira. It just, I was not myself after being on the antibiotic. And then yeah. to top that off, they sent me home on oral antibiotics, which I ended up being allergic to. <laughs> yeah, it was a double whammy. So then I broke out in hives and ended up with a steroid shot. And that was when school was going back in a session for teachers to go back. and. Yeah. They sent you home. Yeah. One day. 
at least. Uh, yeah, it was like the first day I went to principal in the morning and said, He was like, you look I've terrible. been in the hospital all last week. I'm allergic to the medications. And he goes, yeah, you should go and get that checked out. And I did and had to get a steroid shot, took yeah. Benadryl, and I was I slept the whole afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that really started into, um, we shared. I'm so glad I did not go back to school that fall. I would have been a hot mess. And so, I mean, Sorry. Like, like that kind of led into the experience of my last year of teaching that we talked about in episode two. Um, but needless to say, by November of 2017, after the doctor had was like, yeah, you should go on Humira again, you know, it's going to work. It's like, it w- didn't work. No, it didn't it, work it the first time. It made me feel it, worse. I've been sick. I've been in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so we made the decision in November of 2017 to stop Humira. And begin tapering off the prednisone. Yes. Um, and I guess the, the thought there was, well, this isn't working. The doctor isn't listening. Yeah. So I guess we're going to try this our way. And if it doesn't work, we'll find another specialist. Yeah. Um, maybe. I think our thought process was we're just going to pray and we're going to. I think but, we had talked about tracking your food and seeing if things were specific things were causing issues. and. I don't know. But then we, Beth's birthday is in January, and it was more her oh, suggestion. Can I preface this with? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, shout out to my friend Liz. Woo-hoo. She um, was looking at a diagnosis of something. Autoimmune related. Auto, yep. And um, she, her doctor had recommended doing two rounds of Whole30. So 60 days instead of 30 days, uh, just to see if there was anything food related that was causing her body to react this way. Um, And um, she had previously talked to us about doing Whole30 and I had thought, wow, that sounds really extreme because I didn't totally understand the purpose of Whole30. Um, And real quick, like the purpose of Whole30 is to take any inflammatory food out of your diet for 30 days. Uh, they have two versions. They have the regular version, and then they have like the extreme version, which the is the autoimmune protocol. The autoimmune AIP. protocol, yeah. And uh, so, if you go up, do Whole30, and you find that you're still having these symptomologies, then they recommend doing the autoimmune protocol and seeing if there's something else that is could even more so be causing um, your issues. So. Um, she was doing two rounds of it and I went, you know what, what's it going to hurt? What is it going to hurt for us to try this? Nothing. Because what do we have left to give up? We were already gluten-free, dairy-free. That's like half the stuff you have to give up anyway is, you know, and so after that it was giving up grains and specific oils that we couldn't eat. I mean, really. I mean, I was already, yeah, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free. Yeah. If I was in pain, the only thing I could take was Tylenol. Yeah. You can't do NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, mm-hmm. um, which can be hard. If you're actually in pain, Tylenol doesn't do a whole lot, or if you're swelling. Depending on, yeah, yeah. what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she she was doing two rounds. Praise her, she made it through. And uh, we did about... We did like a practice week, I think, 
um, mm-hmm. the week before my birthday, where we took out what we thought was everything, but that did not include peanut butter. I remember we had bought a peanut, because I was like, oh, it's peanuts. Well, because we had just found <laughs> Sam's Club, Heather Members Mark, natural, natural peanut, butter. peanut butter, oh, man, which tough. was the best peanut butter we'd ever had. Yeah, and then we had to go off peanut butter for Whole30. We were like, no, this is the best peanut butter. And, um, oh, well. Oh, well, because it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, so right after my birthday, we took one day off for my birthday to eat cake and probably eat pasta. That was probably what I wanted. Something with pasta, because I love it. Uh, And we jumped into Whole30, and we did it solidly for two weeks. Um... The, yeah, the last two weeks there. So we did like a practice week where we basically took out everything, and including sugar. Um, should make sure I throw that one in there. No sweeteners of any kind. No mm. honey, no maple syrup, none of the quote-unquote natural sweeteners. And then um, we did Whole30 for a solid two weeks after that. And then your sister came to visit, right? In February. Yeah, yeah. So maybe three weeks. Yeah, we were close to that, like, Close to the four-week mark minus the one day for her birthday. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, it's an experience, Whole30. You get hungry like you had never been hungry before on Whole30. Mm -hmm. Um, Because your body all of a sudden goes from eating all this processed food. To craving it and how do you fill in those calories. Yeah, and then like... um, yeah, how do you fill in those cal- calories? And then, like, you stop eating sugar all the time, too. And you just, like, it's amazing the amount of sugar you're eating in a day and what they put sugar into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden your taste buds rearrange, right? And, like, things that you're like, oh, this was not even sweet before. Like, um, putting cacao in coconut milk, like canned coconut milk, and eating that. I think we tried that week one of Whole30, and we were like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you throw in strawberries or something, like it was just, just like, bitter and... just bitter and not sweet at all. Yeah. And then by week three, we were like, oh, this is so sweet. And it just like, yeah. because your taste buds are like, yeah, that is naturally sweet, but you are so used to the amount of sugar and things being, it. yeah. And things being sweetened to such a heightened degree that you didn't realize this is sweet and you don't need sugar in it. It's mm-hmm. already sweet. So anyway, no, so January of 2018, we jumped into Whole30, like she said, um, and as a result, I'd say we felt better. Yes. Less fatigued. Yes. Less achy. Which is crazy to think I was still fatigued. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Some of my achiness went away, and uh, I had inflammation in my shoulder that was still there after I had a, cra- a crash in a mountain bike race on a downhill. Mm-hmm that hurt for months i did like two months of physical therapy and just kind of dealt with it and was finding that even while eating certain foods it hurt and so we went on whole 30 and within like a week week and a half that inflammation and pain in my shoulder was gone yeah yeah which was remarkable um and when we went back on or when we tried to do some other foods after whole 30 to see what had bothered us we found that rice made us sleepy. Yeah. Corn made me hurt and caused inflammation in my shoulder. Yes. 
that's good. And eating like popcorn or some things like that, it upsets my stomach, but it also makes my shoulder hurt. Yes. Um, and legumes like peanut butter and chickpea made us tired and achy too. Yes, it is crazy. Yep. So after Whole30, we made a conscious decision to continue on a paleo-based diet uh, based on how we felt from grains and corn and legumes. Because physically and mentally, we just felt better and healthier. So we said, we've mm-hmm. got to do this. Yeah. You know, some of our symptoms and inflammation is going away. It's mm-hmm. going to be better for us. Yeah. Long term. And I think the what I find interesting is that paleo is basically Whole30 plus desserts. Yeah. I mean, that's really, the big difference is you can now eat honey mm-hmm. and maple syrup. Like, that's the big difference. Like, here, enjoy dessert. Add that to your whole thirty. Like, <laughs> that's it. It's the only difference. Yeah. Anyway. So currently, so we're in the. Uh, well, I guess today's the twenty first of September. We're recording this. So what, yeah. today, tomorrow's first day of fall. Oh. Something like that. So, I'm bringing it up because currently, I am in remission, and I have had no symptoms since late spring, early summer. Yeah, the other day you were like, I haven't had blood in my stool in two months. And I was like, what? You, yeah. had, you never told me. Yeah. You have, I, I'm going to share this. You have okay. sent me pictures of normal poop, though. Like, look, I had a normal poop today. It was like an eight inch long turd. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Which like, is, yeah. I know you're probably thinking it's gross, but for someone with the disease that I have, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> anyway, and let's be perfectly honest. I send you pictures of our kids' poop in the potty when yeah. it's really big. Because she just has... And big and impressive. Yeah, there's, you know, things parents do. But... As Ron Burgundy <laughs> would say, you know, uh, how does he say it? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not upset. Heck, that's impressive. <laughs> I'm butchering it. But you get the idea of that scene. Yeah. He's like, Baxter ate a whole wheel of cheese? I'm not mad. That's impressive. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. We talk about poop a lot we at do. our house. Yep. Everybody poops. Well, everybody um, poops and it's 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 a subject that should not be taboo. Yep. Because it's a very large indicator of your health. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was going to say another facet of symptomology for colitis and Crohn's mm-hmm. stress yes. so it's not just the diet I mean we've we fixed the diet part we think hopefully and generally felt better but I was still symptomatic to some extent and to tell you the truth it was from the stress of my last year of teaching and and moving and moving and, and trying yeah. to find a job and going into self-employment full-time and yep. so the fact that now I'm at this point where sure there's stress where it's like Oh, you have bills due in three days. This client needs to pay me. Yeah. You know, we're trying to work through that and overcome that kind of stuff on the business end. But probably due to less stress and being out of a classroom in a toxic school environment, my body is like, yeah, I'm happy now. Yes. I ran into an old coworker the other day who's retired. And I just, um, you know, mentioned, gosh. I'm in remission and I haven't had symptoms in a few months. And they're like, well, then it was the right, right circumstance for you to leave the Mm -hmm. classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, if your body is going to improve that much. Yeah. Um, So talking about paleo, 
you know, there's a lot of different paleo things that we like to eat. Yes. Recipe wise and chocolate chip cookies. Um, oh yeah, oh. good chocolate chip cookie yeah. recipe. Is I, that one on the blog? No, I gotta get a whole uh, list of um, like our favorite desserts that yes. we've yeah. tried over time. Yes. Um, but we, <laughs> I, I do want to say we did try what we thought were paleo pretzels. Oh no, they were not. Uh, last weekend really from Amazon, our Beth's sister bought them. Yeah. Well, they and, were. They said grain free, so yep. we were just like, "Oh, grain free." Yep. Then vegan, gluten yeah, yeah, dairy yeah, yeah. free, we grain, like, free. grain free. Okay, we we're like, "Yeah, this has got to be good, right?" Immediately after eating them, so th- the three of us, Beth, I, and her sister, took two plus hour naps. Well, I didn't because I yeah. had to watch the children. Okay. Your but sister I did and I both took yeah. two plus hour naps. Yeah. I woke up still tired. Yes. I experienced pain and arthralgia in my hands, the joint pain, which was like trying to wash dishes that night. I could barely hold on to the dishes because my fingers were just so uncomfortable. And it took about a day or two for that to really go away to the Mm -hmm. extent that it was bothering me. So it turns out these pretzels were grain-free, but they were made with... Chickpeas and chickpea protein. And chickpea flour and... Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, no bueno. Um, remember that chickpea is a legume, so it's not paleo. It's hummus. Yeah, but it's not paleo. <laughs> no, not paleo at all. No. Nope. So the moral, always check your labels. In fact, I recently discovered that the so-called vegan uh, face and post-shave lotion that I use contains cornstarch. Yeah. Well, and things uh, so can vegan. enter your bloodstream so quickly through your skin. Mm-hmm. And I think that people forget that. I know one of the doctors that you had at one point was like, oh, no, we in your hair product. That shouldn't cause you a problem. And I'm like, except that it's entering his bloodstream. During a warm shower, the hair yeah. follicles open up to absorb nutrients from the shampoo. Yeah. And I was just like, duh. <laughs> I was just like, no, you, no, no. So anyway. Yeah. Try to make sure that every, it's just the craziest thing. You have to make sure your lotions don't have wheat and wheat starch, and you have to make sure no gr- blah blah blah. It's mm-hmm. crazy where all this stuff shows up. Yeah. You have to read labels on everything. I know, like, I have some friends on through Facebook that sell uh, Rodan and Field products. So much dairy in those yeah, things. The we found in looking at the ingredients on them, they contain dairy a lot of times, and even in their so you're facial rubbing dairy products, on your face. Yeah, like. And on your hands. Like, I can't... One time I bought milk and honey hand soap, not thinking, like, this was in college. Um, And my hands kept getting irritated. And I was like, why is the skin on my hands so irritated? And I was like, duh, Bethany, you bought milk and honey. You just went dairy-free. Like, get with it, lady. Like, (laughs) anyway. Read your labels on everything. All products touching your body. Yeah, so I guess not knocking the products that people use, but just be aware. Look at the ingredient list. Yeah. Be knowledgeable. If you can tolerate it, fine. Yeah. But we can't. Yeah, we can't, so we don't use them. Uh, some exciting news. While t- so today, last episode, we talked about our love story. Yeah. And well, so part that, of it. Part of it, and so that we like to recreate the date every year. And we unfortunately weren't able to be transparent, weren't able to completely recreate the date today. Because we'll it was <laughs> disgust, we left the house and it was disgustingly hot outside. 
Yeah. And, and raining had, on and off. And we had our three-month-old with us. Yeah. You cannot cart your three-month-old outside and... They just get so hot so easily and overheated and they, it, like, there's, like, no way to easily cool them off except for bringing them into a cool mm-hmm. place. Yeah. And I just didn't want her to. So we took her into yeah. a cool place. We, we went did. to um, one of our other favorite dates is mm-hmm. to go walk around Barnes & Noble. Yes. Oh, I so love we, it. Yeah, we did that today. It's dangerous, but I love it. <laughs> um, I now have a list and pictures of five books that she found that she wants. Five? So I know what to get her for Christmas and to tell their family, hey, you get this book, you get that book. Um, but I, we, we looked yeah. in the cookbook area because Beth wanted to find a paleo cookbook. Mm-hmm. And we found one here. It's by Danielle Walker, and it's called Against All Grain. Uh, it's a paleo cookbook with the premise of Meals Made Simple. Mm-hmm. And as we look through it, for the most part, a lot Very of the ingredient list, it's straightforward. It's similar to the, some of the other recipes. Well, and it's a lot of like, mix all the ingredients together. Now cook them. Like, it's not like, mix this. Now mix this. Now add those things together. Now add this other ingredient. And then let it sit. And then cook it. Like, And you need this weird herb that you don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have, I have made some paleo recipes that I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. Uh, because no, thank you. Um, cause they can just be overly involved sometimes. And, um, paleo cooking can be very simple or it can be overly complicated. And I like the more simple version. Um, though I will say a lot of the overly complicated things do taste really good. Like making pasta, mm-hmm. not technically overly complicated, but boy, is it time consuming, but it's so tasty. So tasty. Yeah. If you've never made your own pasta, you should get onto our blog post, find that pasta recipe, and make it. Yep. It is not, I did not come up with this. I found it on the internet. Um, we also use the gluten free everything dough from the same website, and both of those things have been life changing. Yep. So, anyway. back to this book. <laughs> um, it contains an eight week meal plan yes. with shopping lists. Yes. And Danielle, she got into paleo. I say it like I know I don't. I've read the about me section. But she got into paleo kind of reluctantly. um, But she was also diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and had a much more severe experience with it than I did. But a lot of the ongoing symptomology, the joint pain, the the bloody stool and that, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she had to get into it. So something for me to relate to. Um, so we're excited to look into this and, um, but yeah, like I said, it has an eight week meal plan yep. with shopping lists. Yes. Yeah. And she even talks awesome. about ways to stay on budget and yep. not be crazy mm-hmm. at the grocery store like you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you're trying to eat paleo. Mm-hmm. Remi- a lot of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And remember too, uh, those that do paleo diets... Um, which I should say we do mostly paleo. Yes. I'm finding that being self-employed now, sometimes I have to eat out. And it can be difficult to be strictly paleo. Yes. But doing my best, I guess. Well, I think the, the one area where you have to kind of give a little is really on your... Um, uh, in the area of sugar, really. Like, if you go to eat at Jimmy John's, like... They have 
meats that we can eat, mm-hmm. but they definitely have sugar in them, which yeah. is not a paleo sugar. It's a just a normal whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, or, or else do we eat? They use certain oils, like, like a like peanut five oil. Five guys use peanut, peanut oil. oil. Yes, which is technically not an oil you should be using. Jimmy John's potato chips are done in peanut, peanut oil. oil. Yeah, but the peanut oil is much better on my system personally than. Like a vegetable canola oil. Gosh, my body hates that so much. It's misery. Misery. Um, For a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Uh, So, yeah, you're right. It's difficult to eat completely paleo. Going out to eat. We do our our best. Easier to do at home. For sure. Um, So we're going to wrap up our episode here. Uh, It's been a long one, but I think it's been really good, really fruitful. Just to give you guys some background on my disease and my experience with that, and Beth's experience with food, yes. uh, with gluten and dairy, and how we got into paleo. Mm-hmm. As Beth mentioned, we do have a blog post up on our website. Yes. And it has a list of our favorite paleo recipes. Yes. Um, just, a, just a smattering. So it's like we have the everything dough, pasta, um, which is really good, and chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and we're going into soup season so it's just like I'm super excited to make it anyway um, and then a few other like uh, meal things um, that are really just yummy pretty easy to make um, that I know we like and my family enjoys as well mm-hmm. um, and then there's another uh, post about the uh, pantry items that you should have on hand if you're going to be eating paleo because there's, it's a different looking list mm-hmm. than if you are just gluten free, dairy free, or you know, don't have a special diet that mm-hmm. you follow. Yeah, it's not white flour and white sugar. No, you have to have lots of different flours yeah. and different sugars and yeah. all the things. So. so, go check it out on our website. Like now, woodworker well, and wife. Yep. (laughs) So thanks again for listening. We appreciate it so very much. Next time, we're going to share about our faithfulness and obedience in a time of uncertainty and hope that it encourages you. Um, We're going to be entering into the time um, here in October pretty soon when we sold our house and moved out and just entering a new season of life. And so we want to share some things about that. Yeah. Yep. In the meantime... Oh, sorry. In the meantime, uh, (laughs) uh, we appreciate your listening so much. And uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Woodworker and Wife. You can check out our website and blog at www.woodworkerandwife.com. And if you have a question or want to reach out, send us an email, please, please, at woodworkerandwife at gmail.com. Yep. We'd like to hear how our stories impacted you, if they've encouraged you. Or if you have any questions. Questions, or if you have suggestions for us. Yeah. Um, so we do listen to other podcasts. Those are on our website, too. Just want to put that out there, because we found yeah. one today oh, that yeah. we're going to start listening to. And yep. if we like it, we'll, we'll share you know. it with you and let you know. So God bless, and we love you guys. Bye. <laughs>